Welcome to Holy Trinity Catholic Church from Beaverton, Oregon. Good morning, everybody. Father Bill says it's nasty and smoky outside, so I need to preach a really long time in here where it's air conditioned and... Just makes me look better. <laughs> Back when I was in eighth grade, uh, low those many uh, decades ago, um, we were all terrified of Mr. Mangan. So Mr. Mangan, he was our junior high humanities teacher and he was really smart. He was kind of cocky and he was merciless, merciless. We would walk out of his class every day with our hands just aching because we'd been scribbling furiously, right? Trying to get down everything he said because we knew he would hold us accountable for even the smallest little obscure details. But that wasn't bad enough, right? Then he would also make us get up in front of the class and give speeches, which kids today seem to do no problem, but for us, that was terrifying. Worse, he made us compose our own songs and then perform them in front of the class. And then, to top it all off, he was a relentless grader. Relentless. True story. I once had a friend who uh, was a straight-A student. Mr. Mangan made him rewrite an essay five times just to see if he would be persistent enough to get an A. That was Mr. Mangan, right? Well, suffice it to say, we dreaded humanities. We dreaded it. But you know, I will admit, over the course of the semester, something happened. We learned how to think. We learned how to think, we became more confident. We came to appreciate Mr. Mangan's insights and his intelligence. And believe it or not, by the end of the semester, Mr. Mangan actually became one of our favorite teachers. And the tone of the class changed from one of intimidation to curiosity, sometimes even laughter. So this ordeal that we had all dreaded through our seventh grade year, anticipating it, it ended up making us better students, right? And in some ways, even better people. So thank you, Mr. Mangan, wherever you are. Friends, I don't know if you've ever had a relationship like that where somebody pushed you to your limits, maybe kind of took you to the mat, so to speak. But rather than destroying you, it ended up making you a better person. I think that's how God often works in our lives. You know, he allows these uncomfortable, sometimes these scary, sometimes these out-of-control situations to come. Not because he doesn't care, not because he's punishing us, but because he knows he can draw us through them. He can bring us through them and bring us through to the other end, changed, different people. Think about our gospel story today. We have this poor Canaanite woman who's worried sick about her daughter. So she goes to Jesus hoping for a cure. And instead, what does she get? She gets ignored. She gets rejected. She even gets insulted. Doesn't seem much like Jesus, does it? On the other hand, look at what happens to her over the course of the story. So she starts as this nameless nuisance. Jesus ignores her. The disciples would just assume she'd go away. She would probably be happy to just go away, right, if he would just give her what she wants. So she's not really looking for a relationship at this point. She'd be happy with a simple transaction. But Jesus is not happy with that, apparently. Because look at what happens by the end of the story. By the end, she's no longer a nameless nuisance, is she? Instead, Jesus addresses her as woman. 
O woman, he says to her, great is your faith. Now that's probably lost on most of us, right? For us to call somebody woman sounds dismissive or exasperated. Like, woman, just leave me alone. Guys, if you want to end up in the doghouse, use that one sometime, right? Speaking from experience. <laughs> but in the gospel, woman is actually a title of respect and of even intimacy. It's the same word that Jesus uses to address his mother, Mary Magdalene, and other women who become his disciples. It calls to mind Eve, that first woman, the daughter of God who walked with him in trust and intimacy. So Jesus' use of woman here indicates not exasperation, but something new, a relationship of intimacy and trust and respect. And what's really interesting, I think, is how this poor mother goes from nameless nobody to woman. What's the secret here? Well, the secret is she refuses to be put off. She dares to be bold with Jesus. She dares to wrestle with him. Jesus throws up every argument and insult a pious Jew might use to dismiss a Gentile nobody. And what does she do? She stays with him. She clings. She dares to talk back. She bears her heart and is relentless in presenting her need. She refuses, refuses to let go. Friends, I think there's a lesson there for all of us. Jesus isn't interested in a transaction like we follow the rules and he gives us a good life, or we send up prayers and he sends down blessings, and then we go our way till we need something else. Nor is he interested in a superficial faith that tiptoes around him, that's afraid to meet him where we really are, that hides what's really going on inside. No, Jesus wants a relationship that's real, that trusts him enough to let him see and touch the hurting places, maybe even the ugly places inside. One that's honest, intimate, and capable of changing us. Even if it involves a bit of friction between us and the Lord. We all know, if we don't know, we will know. God doesn't just magically save us from the uncomfortable, out-of-control situations that will come. So friends, what I want to say is, when they come, don't tiptoe. Don't be pious and meek and reverent like, oh, it must be God's will. Even worse, don't give up and walk away. Instead, be like this woman. Be bold. Allow there to be a bit of friction between you and God. We're broken creatures living in a broken world. Jesus promised to be with us in all of that. Hold him to his promise. Tell him exactly what you need. Bear your heart. Let him feel your fear, your anger, your hurt. We only tend to do that with people we love and trust, right? Jesus is your brother, your savior, your God. Don't be afraid to demand that he show up. Sometimes I think we're afraid to be honest with God, like it's sinful or it's dangerous. But friends, it's okay. It's okay. Don't measure out your trust in teaspoons. Trust God enough to let him see the depth of your need, your hurt, your anger. That's not sinful. It's okay to call God on the carpet, to say, where are you? Why are you allowing this? Why won't you help me? Those questions themselves, don't they presuppose a faith in his promises to us, in his promise to be faithful, in his care towards us? God can always, always work with an honest heart, 
even if it's an angry or hurting heart. What he can't work with is someone that keeps him at arm's length, that keeps all the control on our side, that hides behind who we think we should be rather than who we really are. So friends, my message for this morning is this. Be bold with God. Be bold with him. When he leads you into the dark places, grab his hand, tell him exactly what you need, and then hold on for dear life. That's how we change. That's how we grow. That's how we become capable of the freedom and the love and the trust that he wants for us. Thank you for joining us. You can learn more on our parish website at h-t.org. We hope that you will subscribe to our YouTube channel or try and join us for Mass if you're local. Again, all the information will be on h-t.org.